Liberation, I am your host, LaCroix Hatcher. Liberation presents Wister Basden. Wister serves as a deacon at the Grand Strand Church of Christ, and he's also a leader of the South Strand Celebrate Recovery. In this episode, Wister will talk about leaving a life of addiction to alcohol and drugs, which eventually left him homeless. Wister will also open up about some of his remaining struggles, his life of sobriety, and his conversion to Christ. God bless, and please enjoy the show. Good evening, uh, Liberation friends and family. Uh, this evening, I'm speaking with Winston Bayston. Uh, he serves as the deacon at the Grand Strand uh, Church of Christ. Uh, he has a very unique story onto his own as well. Um, he's also the leader of their Celebrate Recovery Ministry. Uh, Brother Bayston, uh, good evening and how uh, and evening. happy holidays to you. Uh, happy holidays to you as well. Glad to uh, be here. And uh, my brother also has now taken time to serve as a, a substitute preacher at the congregation. So <laughs> had a brief discussion with him before we started recording. So, Brother Basin, please tell the audience uh, briefly about yourself, and then we'll get into uh, some of your background. Sure. Um, I said I've... Um Uh, well, the background. Well, just for, from from the church standpoint, I've uh, I've been here at the Grand Strand Church of Christ. Um, I think about eight years now. Uh, I'm not good with dates, uh, but around there, about eight years. Um, uh, met my wife uh, that I have now there. Uh, mm-hmm. She's been there for probably 25 years, um, and uh, I um, I just I felt drawn. Uh, to the Church of Christ, it was um, so I, it was something unique and different that I had never seen um, uh, in churches that I had uh, experienced in my past, and uh, I've been blessed ever since I've been there. It's been just a wonderful group of people. Um, but then with the Celebrate Recovery that we have, it started back in about 2014, and I've been there not quite from the beginning. Uh, I've I came in about the middle of 2014 um, and started attending and just uh, and things just sort of God had a plan for me to, to move in this direction. And and uh, me and my wife have been co-leaders of that ministry now for about um, six and a half years now. We've got our anniversary coming up um, next this coming up Monday. Okay, good be our eight year eight year anniversary. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, tell the folks exactly what Celebrate Recovery is. Well, Celebrate Recovery, um, and I'll pro- probably I'll probably not do a great job of explaining what it is, uh, but um, it is um, obviously a place where um, people can come. Um, that don't know the Lord. Uh, what we, what, uh, and, but, but it's also a place that, that Christians can come. We have a whole lot more people that know the Lord in there than, than those that don't. And, um, but what it is is just, you know, if you think about recovery in the secular terms and, you know, with, you know, like an Alcoholics Anonymous or, you know, some other Overeaters Anonymous, mm-hmm. uh, what Celebrate Recovery is, is, is really, we call our little, Slogan is a hurt, hang up, or habit uh, that you may be struggling with. <clears throat> Excuse me. And these are it, it. 
it just it covers the gamut. It covers anything that you could possibly struggle with because uh, we look to the Lord uh, for healing, which he can do uh, in all things. And so whatever it is, uh, it's not limited, right, to a particular this or that. It's anything that is keeping you separated from God and experiencing what he wants for you in your life. And that's or that just goes across the board in our in our groups uh, in the the different uh, things that people have struggled with that have come through over the years. Okay. Um, so for you in particular, uh, we're going to let you tell your story. Um, what brought you to uh, celebrate recovery? Well, we'll back it up a little bit. I'll try to be quick with it. Um, I, uh, you know, if you would have looked at my life um, on the surface, everything would have looked okay. You know, came from a good family, um, uh, believers, and um, but uh, I didn't know the Lord, and mm-hmm. I never, I never had a desire. I mean, my parents made me go, um, just like a lot of, which is is a good thing, but mm-hmm. there was never any interest for me. Though I thought I was a Christian my whole life, just because of being associated with church, right? Uh, I carried that around with me uh, almost to my detriment, you know, that thinking that that I that I knew the Lord. I didn't even know what that meant to say I knew the Lord. But um, I um, was raised right. Went to college, got a got a got a degree, uh, came out of college. I got married, uh, but I didn't know the Lord, and. Um, I, I continued to move further and further away from him and deeper into sin. And it just kept manifesting itself more and more uh, until a divorce uh, eventually came. Uh, you, you can't you can't stay married when you're never home. Um, and so she had enough and she left with, with good reason. Uh, and that in itself put me in my tailspin i had been lost in a center for my whole life but that really amped up and made it very evident in my life um that there was something extremely wrong with me you know that i needed to be saved that though i still couldn't see this uh and so i dove into drugs and alcohol uh this was back in 99 98 i lose track of the date sometimes uh and i just went into a tailspin uh of just trying to mask this pain uh, of you know this shame of being left uh, by my wife, and um, and just almost with this immature attitude of well I'll show her we'll get back at her by, by going out and getting drunk and, and getting high it just mm-hmm. makes no sense today but in my mind back then it made complete sense that right. this I'll show her by having a good time it just it was crazy the way I thought by then but. Uh, that took me down a really, really dark road. Eventually, I ended up with uh, a crowd of people when you're out two and three in the morning and a lot of good going on uh, and doing what I was doing. It was just a matter of time before uh, I, I ran across something really bad, and, and it took about three years. But I ended up um, in the in the in the most innocent of places at a softball field before a softball game, uh, getting a bag of heroin. Mm-hmm. Or something. You know, just in the most 
You know, you've, well, you've never even been sitting in a parking lot there right before a game starts. And um, with no, never thinking anything about it, you know, and knowing good and well, you know, um, how how those hard hardcore drugs, how they they put people up under the streets, they kill people. It was I was just blinded by my pain, I guess, and in the absence of God, which I did not know, uh, that's what it was at the time. And when I did it, it it um it was it. I was hooked from the very first time, and uh, that 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 was a 13-year tailspin that just took my life down to you know losing everything I had, living with my parents the last six or seven years, and then finally ending up in a uh, a Christian rehab um, up in the mountains of Boone, North Carolina, uh, where I I heard the gospel. And, and I say I never heard the gospel preached before. I'm sure that I did, but I never had ears to hear it, as Jesus mm. would say. Mm. And I heard it, you know, in my brokenness, I heard it, and it cut me. Mm. And I surrendered up there and started walking with the Lord from that day on. And uh, and so when I left, you know, I, I was um, I, I was always a good student, and so I was very teachable when I was up there. Uh, and it's a, and it's a quality that uh, I have to hold on to today as I get put in leadership that I have to still be teachable. I have to watch my, myself that I'm teachable always. And um, I listened to what they said. And they said, you need to continue what you're doing here. They were, they were teaching us how to live in Christ. You know, we had been living this crazy life. And so they taught us how to live. They put us, they gave us social skills and just, you know, things that you would teach your teenager to do. They were teaching us to do at 44 and 50 years old. Mm. And, um, and so, I took their advice. I did exactly what they said. And they said, you need to go out and get uh, Christian-based recovery meetings. You need to do everything you can. You need to go to Bible study. You need to get your local church. You know, you, you know, you, you need to, you know, get those radio stations off. You need to listen to Christian music. You know, just all of these things they were saying, you, you need to do these things. And so I did them. And there was a celebrate recovery. At the time, there was only one uh, in our area. We now have six, which is wonderful. Uh, but we, you know, like a 25 mile uh, area. And, and uh, I started going there. And um, so that's how I was introduced, you know, coming out of a Christian Rehabilitation Center for Drugs and Alcohol. I immediately, you know, looked for something Christ centered, which that was that was out there. And, and I had heard about it from a gentleman that kept coming back week after week. And I never, I never could understand. He'd come back for the testimonies, the graduations every Saturday. And I would see him and I, I didn't understand what he was doing. He was actually bringing people up from his town and his celebrate recovery up to this ministry. And then didn't never caught on to that, but he kept every time he testify, he'd get the microphone and testify. He would mention celebrate recovery. So I, I heard it. And so I mm-hmm. heard it so much that as soon as I saw it, I'm like, remember that guy and mm. so that's how my journey began to to get into celebrate recovery and then our church uh, about a year later which i was not a part of uh started started one up and then god moved me in that direction as well and so like i said we've been here eight years now and i could i could go on and but i mean that's that's that is just a short synopsis of uh of a of a, of a life that was very chaotic before Christ, very very chaotic. Forty four years old before I came to know the Lord. Okay, okay. Um, 
so eight year um eight years recovered um about how old were you um because you said the divorce was the beginning of the spiral um how old were you when when this occurred uh when the when the divorce when the separation obviously the divorce took a whole lot longer after that i was so lazy about it uh the separation was 98 so 30 years old okay when that happened but the thing about it, you said, you know, when did the, you know, I said about the, the, the spiral, the spiral had started long ago. Okay. Um, when, 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 it, and really it was in high school. I was already out of control. And, and though I, though I, you know, I fooled myself into thinking that, you know, well, I would compare myself to other people. Well, I'm not like them and mm-hmm. I'm not like them. And so as long as I kept, you know, playing that comparison game, I could never look at myself for, and I, I was in, I was in a spiral, just not as bad long before. Uh, but it, yeah, it got very, where it was very obvious. People were trying to do interventions, and I, I just said no. I said y'all, y'all don't know. I'm, I'm fine, and, you know. And so just I was a, I was a, I was like Jacob. I was a good deceiver. <laughs> I was really good at it. <laughs> really good at it. And I fooled a lot of people for a long time until it just it crashed at the end, where it was just I was just a mess. I looked like. I looked just like a homeless man on the street. That's how I walked around. So it was pretty bad. And I and I'll try not to trouble you too much. I know the past can be a deep uh a big pill to swallow. I'm um, good with it. I share it all the time. Okay, okay. Um past whatever. Usually one thing graduates to the other. Um mm-hmm. so at yeah. during your teenage years, uh yeah. what was the um type of drugs or alcohol you experimented with at that point? It's alcohol only. Um, alcohol. See, once again, see, I did my, I did my little comparison game mm-hmm. and, you know, so I, other kids were smoking marijuana, uh, back in the eighties, I didn't see the pills and the cocaine and things like that. That wasn't, didn't seem to be as, you, you didn't like showcase that back then. Mm-hmm. So it didn't really show itself, but, um, I didn't do any of that. I, I always turned it down. It like made me feel better to like, oh, well, I looked down on people that did that. <laughs> and I'm mm-hmm. sitting here getting plastered drunk and that's okay. You know, it was like, I just, I, and I still struggle with this, this judgmental kind of, you know, I'm better than you, know, you do this. I don't, you know, and so, uh, I, that's what I would do. And so it, I did not graduate into anything until my junior year in college. Mm. That's the first time I, Tried marijuana and psychedelics, and that and that was it for until the divorce. Nothing had ever, and actually, I'd kind of given up the drugs when I got married. Hmm. Still, not the alcohol, but the uh, but that you know, I was like, well, you can't do that when you're married, and it was just you know, just some of the craziest thinking. But uh, it it didn't really tailspin until I really just didn't care anymore. To be honest, that's kind of really when, when it was like, what else? What else do I have? To, you know, my life's down the down the tube. So who cares what I do? That kind of right. thing. So right. now you now um, you said as now as your addictions grew, um, you know you mentioned that there was a period period of uh, homelessness. Um, what other situations might you have, uh, if you don't mind speaking about it? What other situations might you have got yourself involved in during this period of time? Well, I'm, I was, you know, I wasn't just a user. I, uh, uh, I did whatever I could to, to, to get my, um, um, 
the drugs that I needed. You know, it was it was a, it's not just mental, but it was physical uh, uh, addiction that had to be fed. And so I uh, I dealt drugs. Um, I'm, I uh, made trips back and forth to New York, um, bringing back large sums of heroin. Um, you know, I'm breaking and entering. I mean, I was a criminal. You know, should have been in prison. Um, was there, um, and, and I know this maybe not spoken of much, um, cause you mentioned the, that you were also, um, dealing drugs as well. Was there mm-hmm. also an allure, uh, uh, an addiction to doing that part of it as well? The, the dealing for me personally was, I was more fearful um, in the sense of the the police. Um, now that I look back on it and I've heard a few stories, I really believe they were almost using me to get to the bigger fish, and so they were leaving me alone. Okay. So I was hearing story, stories about that, but the, the dealing in itself never really, you know, was not really drawn to that as much. It was an end, to, you know, means to an end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the needle in itself became an idol. Just the, the actual needle became, with, whether something was in it or not, became an idol. It was very strange um, how I would just, I would, I mean, I would actually look at it, you know, it was, it was just, I can't even hardly explain, but it was, it was just something that had me. I had to have it, mm-hmm. uh, regardless of what I was doing. Um, what about the um and this isn't you know probably the grand scheme of things but what about the divorce that um that put that crushed you so much that that led you in that direction well once again did you have kids or anything from the previous marriage or no I did I had I, I had a son that I had adopted when we first uh, met she had uh, you know, my, this was, you know, once again, this was how my life started. You know, I, I, uh, I started dating a married, married woman. I mean, I, you know, I should have known, right. <laughs> but yeah. when you're just, when you're blind, you're blind. Right. And, uh, and that's just the way the world is, right. And so the world lives the way the world lives. And, uh, but she was, you know, heroin became an idol for me because mm-hmm. my whole life is about idolatry. And before heroin, she was my idol. Mm-hmm. She was what I looked to. She was my comforter. She was everything that I wanted. I needed a woman to make me feel good. I had low self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And as long as I had a woman in my life, then that's, that was all I needed, right? But until she left, and it just that's, that's the part that crushed me because I had put her on a pedestal mm-hmm. to where, you know, I, I needed her to, to feel right. I got you. That's understandable. Um, so let's, let's push forward a little bit. Um, at what what point, um, so I'm assuming, okay, your parents took you in, the habits continued. Um, but at what, at what point was enough enough for you? Um, LaGroy, um, it was, Divine intervention. There's no other 
a way around it. I, I believe in divine intervention, that God uh, intervened on my behalf when I could not. And a lot of things fell into place at this moment. They were trying to get me into this Christian rehab that for years. I mean, it wasn't like they just did it at the very last second. They were trying for years. And so I was like, I was like Jacob. I was a deceiver. You know, I, I was good at deceiving. I'm telling them I'm okay. And, oh, yeah, okay, I'll start going to, you know, NA meetings and, and all of these Whatever I needed to say to get them off my back and to get them to ease up on going anywhere because if I go somewhere I can't use mm-hmm. and um, and so I could, like I said once again I had reached this point where I was I was going to be okay with this this is who I was I was just going to have to live this way the rest of my life mm-hmm. and so I didn't really care about change anymore um, but there was there was this there was this perfect storm of just uh, um, I'll just mention a few of them it was um, they they got me to finally start talk, which I've done this two or three times to talk to the uh, administrator, the one that the admin, uh, the person that would, uh, um, that I would have to talk to to get in to get into the program, and um, I had to call, I had to do so many things. I had to call him, uh, you know, a couple times a week. There was there was these things he wanted me to do to see, you know, how much you know was I really interested in going or was someone pushing me. And I wasn't ever interested, so I just never would call. And he would take me off the list. And this this went on for months, like six months. And um, my parents would push me back in and get me to go and get me to call. And so, once again, I started started to call a couple times, knowing that I was going to quit calling. Uh, and there was a huge bust. The Mexicans got, there was this huge bust of, uh, the Mexican gang, this cartel that was in the beach, got busted. Um, and, I mean, it was a big one. It shut, it shut everything down for a long time. Mm. Um, and, and this was right, right before, and then, and then, and then a day, it may have been a day or two days. I mean, it was like very, very close from, from the moment the bus took place that uh, the admissions director to this rehab called me on the phone on a Wednesday. And, and you, you enter on a Saturday. He called me on, a, on the phone on a Wednesday. I had been off the list for months. And hmm. something told him, it was, I need to call this guy. Now, you know, we hear these stories all the time. But, you know, I, he calls up and goes, because there was somebody that had dropped out. He goes, can you come? And I was at this moment, I was sick uh, from not having the drugs. And I was just, you want to talk about, had I come to my end of my rope, it was, I really hadn't come to the end of my rope, but I was like, anywhere is better than what I'm doing right now. And so I said, fine, I, you know, I'll go. And that was how the journey began. There were a few other things as well. Um I had to I had to been test I had to be tested for some things before we went up there and I found out I had Hep C, mm-hmm. hepatitis C, mm-hmm. and when I found that out uh, I had really and I don't know if I've ever told my mother this and probably haven't but I was planning on killing myself I didn't want to die with hepatitis C uh, and I was just going to OD myself and mm-hmm. when they did the blood work the initial the initial test was positive right. And then when this, they 
to start a treatment plan or whatever, which I wasn't going to do because they said I had to be sober for six months before they would start it. I said, I can't get sober for six minutes. Mm. I said, and you want me to be sober for six months? I said, that's not going to happen. And so, you know, I had all this plan of, well, I'm just going to, you know, if this starts getting rough on me, I'm just going to end it. And they sent back some extra blood work to see how far along it was and all of this. And, it, and the test came back. back it was gone. Mm. It, it, that, that something's going on here. Mm-hmm. And that's what the motivated me to say, okay, fine. I'm, just, I'll, I'm going to go on with this and just see what happens. But I, I really still had no uh, intentions. That, you know, I didn't know who God was and what he was capable of doing. And so, you know, I, like I said, I've accepted this, this life. Um, but that's how I got there. Uh, that would be the, the end of my road, but it took a lot of things to happen for me to get there that did not have anything to do with me. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah, absolutely. Number one, I, I went to the rehab. My parents said, go to, go to this rehab. And they, they finally put their foot down. I mean, they're very, you know, my mom is, you know, and she will admit to this. So I'm not saying anything that she wouldn't know about. She was a big enabler for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and because uh, she loved me. She didn't know what to do. She didn't know how to deal with me. I was the first, first one of the kind in the family. She didn't know how to deal with me. Um, and I, and I understand it because we've got some difficult ones that we're dealing with now. So, you know, I, I I'm getting a little bit of a taste of what my uh, mother went through uh, right mm. now in our own life. Um, but, um, I didn't want to go. And like I told you, I had accepted junkie for life. I'm a heroin junkie and I'm okay. This is my lot in life. It's kind of a, this is who I am. And whatever I tried to stop, you know, and and I so I can't. So this must mean what I'm supposed to be. And so they they told me, you guys, you you, know, you have to go to a Christian rehab center, or you're you're, you're out. You hit the streets. Mm-hmm. Now, once again, Mama's boy, you know, pampered in his life when he was. I didn't want to hit the streets either, right? And so I went, but not for not to get better. I did not go to get better, but when I got there. And this this image that I had that, you know, I, I come from a good family. Uh, we're not rich, but we're definitely not poor. Mm. Uh, I have a great education. Everybody I was hanging out with doing these drugs were uh, dropped out of middle school and high school. So I was always had this air of superiority of my intelligence. Uh, I was a good athlete. Uh, even while I was still using, I was still good enough to play if I ever sobered up for a small amount of time. Hmm. And um, so I had this air of superiority, like I was just still better than people. You know, so it kind of what kept me from seeking help. And when I got up there and my dad dropped me off and he hit the road, um, I looked around and I saw some rough characters up there. And it just, it just, it hit me. It's like, you know, this is who you are, man. Your life is a mess absolute mess but then the gospel took over I, I, I got some clarity of look where you are you know this is real you're in a Christian you're in a rehab now, I didn't say Christian I said you're in a rehab for drug addicts now and there's people that are coming in trying to escape prison and I mean there's some of the some of the you know th- this is like a last ditch effort for so many people they've tried everything else and then they come here because they don't necessarily believe in God uh, and so this is like one of the, a lot of them's last ditch effort uh, to come here because they've been avoiding it, right? right? Like I don't want to go there. 
Um, and it just hit me that, you know, look at where you are. You know, this is who you are. But then that gospel that they preached up there, they didn't call me. Uh, they didn't say I had a, how is it put now? I'm, I'm maybe even losing my, um, a disease, mm-hmm. right? The alcoholic says I have it, and maybe they do. Okay, maybe they do. I call it the disease of sin now after I've had my eyes opened. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sinful is what it is. You have a sin disease. Uh, so they didn't call me uh, an, a drug addict. They didn't call the alcohol, the alcohol, the person using alcohol, an alcoholic. They said your problem is sin and you need a savior. Mm. That's what we preached up there. <laughs> I never heard that in the pulpit, right? That, that had never come across my radar screen. You know, I, I was using this as, well, I've got a d- disease, so I've got an excuse, right? Mm. Wrong. That's not what they preach. And again, the, the Bible doesn't preach it either. You've got a sin problem. That's your problem. You need to get that taken care of. And see, I thought I had that taken care of, but, oh, I did not. And it took about three days, but uh, I don't know what. I, I can't wait to ask God what was what was actually said and that, what I heard, but uh it cut me to the heart like they say an axe when they got cut to the heart. Yeah. That's what happened. Um I appreciate your openness for me. Uh definitely God's word brought God's word brought me to my knees. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can't give it any other reason than that. Because that's what was being preached. Um down it back a little bit to the high school days, um, yeah. where the alcoholism started. Uh, was was the alcohol was that initially covering up any type of um, pain from youth, or was it just recreational and it just got out of control? Uh, well, I never had any self worth. I always felt less than. I was always real shy. I'm still shy. So that's not a bad quality to have being shy. Mm-hmm. But I let it affect, uh, like, like, like there was something wrong with me, right? I just, you know, I was easily offended, um, yeah, easily hurt. My feelings got hurt really easy. And so I always just sort of, I was always looking at the, the, the smarter, the better athlete, the richer, and always coveting what they had. And, and every time I did that, it just brought me down another level because I wasn't there, right? So I carried this. Uh, this really low self-esteem, right? That, uh, and that alcohol, (laughs) took took it all away. (laughs) Yeah. Took it all away, right? I became, because I don't like to say that, I'm really not that funny. I just think I am. And, um, and so I felt humorous and like that people were laughing and probably just laughing how ridiculous I was, but not necessarily that was funny. It just, everything felt right. When I first drank and, mm. you know, and I didn't just, I didn't socially drink. I was the one drinking the most, you know, yeah. from, from the very beginning, uh, I just started, you know, I didn't have to grow into it. It was this, um, this addictive nature towards something that altered my mind because I didn't like the mindset I was in. And so I liked for it to be changed. That's mm. why I moved. To so many different things and substances, it allows you to open up. 
like you know, just you know, some people call it liquid courage, right? It's just, it's just <laughs> right. It, it allowed me to do things I've never done. Speak to the the best looking girls that were in school at the party. Yeah. Whatever, which I never would even look at them. Right. Going right. in the hall, right? And now I'm sitting there talking with them, and they're laughing in the, you know, and then. But as soon as it wore off, and you wake up the next morning with a hangover, well, you're right back to where you were. Yeah. Back in it, doesn't change, it doesn't change you, right? Right. Doesn't keep you that person. Mm-hmm. You gotta, you gotta start drinking again to get there. Yeah. 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 So. Um, so from the rehab center, um, you said you found your way to the, now this is, you, your celebrate recovery was always at, um, the Grand Strand congregation, correct? No, the, 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 when I first came out, there wasn't one there yet. And so gotcha. in 2013, the summer of 13 is when I graduated, came out. There was one at this local church down the, down a few miles away. Uh, it's one of the a bigger church. It has like you know like a thousand fifteen hundred people, and they had this celebrate recovery ministry, which was a pretty good sized ministry at the time. It was probably a couple two hundred people or one hundred fifty people showing up every week, and and, um, and so you know I was going there, and there were people from our church that you know had, had been invited, and, and and obviously had issues themselves. And we're going because there really wasn't anything in our area like this, right? There was nothing out there that, you know, because it's, it's difficult sometimes to be a Christian and talk about your problems. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Uh, but this was something where it was welcomed. Bring in your burdens. You know, Galatians 6, to share one another's burdens. And that's what they're doing. That's what was going on. And, yeah. and uh, it's infectious. You know, because because it's come, it's that's what God tells us to do. Mm-hmm. And so I went there. And in the next years, when they began the in 2014, is when they had the, the their first meeting at the Grand Strand Church of Christ. It was another gentleman that was actually who had started that. He left about a year and a half after that. I kind of stepped in to, after a year and a half of you know them doing some wonderful work over there and getting the getting it rolling and getting things in place. And um, so me and my wife have been doing that um, and still are um, ever since. I began attending the church. Um, uh, I, I was, you know, hearing things at the church I was raised at and not really believing everything I started to hear. And so was being drawn uh, to a to a church that um, it was um it was infectious to see people love on each other. I've never really seen that before. Um, it's uh, I'm sure you experienced it yourself uh, with with your church family. It's just there's something uh, when when the when the love of Christ is, is, is just takes over people. It was just it was infectious. I was drawn to it, you know, and uh, I knew I would I knew I would be here. Uh, um, let me ask this question. Um, so <laughs> you're getting your <laughs> You're getting your life together. Everything's on the up and up. Um, now you find this um, new body to attend to, and, you, and you, I'm sure you know you're, you're you're hearing the ministry and all the different things that set the church separately from denominations. So, at some yeah. point, I'm sure you have to present this to your parents and other loved ones. And <laughs> did did they think? Well, what did they think at that point? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll tread lightly here. I, I'm going to honor my mother and father. So. <laughs> they, uh, 
they 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 didn't know enough about the Church of Christ to really form an opinion. You know, they they probably Googled it for for all I know. Mm. Uh, and they, um, I can't even remember what she said uh, about some things, but but I, I just, you know, I told her that um, that I, I was, um, you know, I knew that, that God was calling me here, mm. and, uh, and 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 of course, me me personally, you know, I've I've had to I've had I've had to wrestle with some of the the the, the teachings that I hear. Right. They're they're not easy, and some of them uh, I have come to 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 see the light on, and then there's others that you know I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm still not seeing it that way, but it's okay, you know, it's okay that uh, uh, I may or may not see it that way, or I, I I'm one of those people that can kind of see each argument, each kind of side. And I'm almost like you know. Well, let's just let's just figure out a way to be unified until it until the truth is revealed to to the other side. Right. It's kind of the the attitude I take. And um, I uh, like I said, I'm I've only been walking with the Lord less than eight years, and so you know, uh, I'll never sit here and say that I I know what side is right. <laughs> but but I do know that uh, um, there's 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 just very few things anymore uh, that would even, and I used to get, I used to get upset at some things, and and I've I've, I've come to to know that um, I don't, don't know it all. Praise the Lord that I don't know it all, and um, and that and that He'll continue to teach me. That's what His Word says. It's gonna He's gonna continue to reveal things to me, and I wish certain things that I'm still struggling with to wrestle with. I wish that I could have a clear picture of like Lord, you know, just just let me know, just show it to me, and and I don't know if I don't know what the purpose, but I still haven't like got a just concrete yes, okay, I, now I understand. And there's just a couple of those little things that that um that I wrestle with, but but I'm okay with it today. Okay. That's an honest assessment. That's that's a very very honest mm-hmm. assessment. Um, actually, quite refreshing. Um. So, okay. So you've been in the body eight years. Uh, how how mm-hmm. many years total you've been clean again? All eight. Those eight years. That's it. God be praised. God be praised. Yeah. And and I and I admire your courage. Cause I know this is probably not the easiest thing to do to continue to walk down memory lane. It reminds me of the mercies of God. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned there was someone that left. So, wow, you are, you, you are quite resilient. Uh, so someone left that was the initial male leader for your CR group. Um, Mm -hmm. how, how many years were you at the Celebrate Recovery at Grand Strand before that happened? A year and a half. Wow. So 14, the middle of 2015 is when I, I think it was July 1st. Uh, 2015 is when I, when I, when I took over <laughs> reluctantly. I knew, I knew that, uh, that, that, uh, it was definitely a calling from God because I would have been happy taking the trash out every week. You know, <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't have to, I definitely didn't need to be up there, uh, leading these people, you know, um, but, you know, 
God had God had a whole um, different plan for me, and and I have grown tremendously in that. You know uh, mm-hmm. that I, I've learned a, a lot about myself, uh, a lot about God's word as well, and a lot about people too. You know, just uh, being in that position, and uh, I'm certainly glad that I, uh, even though it was kind of reluctant in heart, I, I, I knew that God was um, calling because I definitely would have never raised my hand for the position. Ever celebrate recovery for me personally? Um, obviously, it, it it is uh, um, it is designed to deliver the gospel uh, to those uh, uh, for what, and it's not just drugs or alcohol; it's anything, right? This is this is a this is across the board. You know that J- Jesus heals all diseases, and so anything that people struggle with, there. They're invited to come into and come in and, and, and hear this message of hope that we have in Christ. Um, but really, as I've watched it over the years, yes, there have been people that, that come through those doors and they, they come to know Christ. You know, they, they hear the message. And but more of what's going on is the uh, is the uh, the building up of the saints. Uh, we are being equipped. Uh, to deliver the gospel and to to be there for for broken people and obviously to receive healing as well is um you know there you know when I got out of the drugs when I got out, when 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 the drugs were removed from my life uh, that's when I was able to see what was really wrong with me the drugs were just covering it all up you know I had character defects and flaws and. Things of my past life that these habits I had developed that were not drug related. Just uh, you know, who would have ever thought that a uh, that a uh, that a heroin addict would would have would struggle with being judgmental after he gets saved? Uh, it's it's one of my deeply rooted. Uh, I've looked back and just so I spent in my family with just, just judgmental family. It's something we just I, I, I remember it. Um, talking about people, putting people down, uh, and it's deeply rooted in me, and it's a struggle for me uh, to not uh, to, to to have compassion instead of being judgmental, to pray for someone instead of talking about them. You know, why don't they get their act together? You know, uh, you know, this is all in the mind. Oh, you know, I would never you know say it out loud, but if it's in my mind, it, it may as well be voiced. Um, and so I, I struggle with those things. I struggle with um, uh, Lacroix being a know-it-all because uh, I got a college education, and most of those other people don't. So you need to listen to me. You know this this, this attitude that I that I know everything um, causes a lot of problems <laughs> uh, in my life. And so there's a lot of these issues. Obviously, lust. Uh, uh, I desired women so much, and now I have these lustful. Issues that I have to deal with, you know, and I have to crucify these things daily. And uh, so it's a battle. You know, the drugs have been removed and the battle has begun um, with the um, defects of character that caused so much sin in my life. Okay, that's uh, again, that's that's very, very honest. Um, So on the flip side, how have the struggles you've experienced? uh, How has that better equipped you? as a Christian? Well, um, you know, obviously, you know, the path that I walked down, 
in I believe it's in Second Corinthians. I can't quite remember. It's first or second in the first chapter where you know God, the God of all comfort, He comforts those through through us, right? Because we have already experienced these things, and so we're able to give this comfort that God has first given to us. And so every time I walk through a healing process, whatever it may be in my life, uh, whatever it is that God is, is illuminated and says, this has got to go, as I start to walk that journey and let Christ change me, you know, I'm able to then help other people. Because um, uh, I can be honest and tell people my shortcomings and, uh, and that I don't have it all together. And uh, regardless of what you may think about me, I don't. Uh, regardless of how my life looks on the outside, it's upstairs here. It's it's not all together, mm-hmm. and I can share those things. I can share struggles, and they can relate to that. You know, someone coming in off the street that's broken down cannot relate to somebody that acts like they got it all together. Amen. They can't. You got to be able to tell them that you and were in their spot, if not worse. And yeah. and as soon as you start speaking the truth about your old life, oh, they understand then because they, they know. They know what they know when they hear the truth about that life they're living. They're able, you know. They know you're not just, you know, trying to, you know. You, you, we deliver the good news, but we got to deliver the bad news about ourselves as well. Amen. Amen. That gives them some hope, right? That you just can't give them good news. You got to say the bad news about yourself to show how good the good news really is. Speak again about the lovingness that the um, Grand Strand Church of Christ showed you. Um, um, as you were getting your toes wet, leading the ministry there. Well, yeah, I mean, they, I, I, I was, sitting, you know, I'd been there for a while. I was a leader in the in the celebrate recovery, and then the the ministry leader was leaving, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I had, and he, he's no longer an elder, but he's it's the sweetest thing. <laughs> Don came up to me, and he's like, he goes, I, wanna, I just want to ask you something. He goes. He goes would you would you would you consider uh, a, a deacon position here? And I looked at him and I was like, I didn't know what he would, you know. I'm still probably not two years into the Lord. Um, my studies were not about. I wasn't studying what a deacon was yet, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I had to go look it up to to see what a deacon was to even know if I, I'm okay if I could give him an answer. You know, I'm like, right. I'm like, I said, Don, I don't know what deacons do. I said, I'm not just. I said, I'm not even there. He goes. Well, he goes, you don't have to worry about that right now. He goes, all you're doing is just going to be that your deaconship is this ministry that you're already, you know, that you're that you're leading. Okay. And and I remember just just the way that he had put that, it, it really took such a you know a, a, this um, not nervousness, but just this you know a weight off of me that you know are you you're just going to continue to do what you're doing and. They were so supportive. The 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 eldership and and the we just have the one minister at that time, and you know they were so supportive. Uh, we would have our meeting. You know, they'd have the elder deacon meetings, and they'd come in and and I'd, I would stumble through a, trying to give an update on what's going on. I've never you know I you know two years out of a thirteen year heroin addiction and living living on the streets and. I'm sitting there trying to give, you know, uh, an, uh, an update uh, uh, on what, what our ministry is doing. And so I'm stumbling through it. I don't know what to say. And they just – and every time I finished, they were just like, we're just so proud of you. We're just – we were mm-hmm. so 
grateful for what you're doing. We just, you know, we're, we're so support. They, they said it every time. We were so, all of them. And it just made things so much easier because I, you know, I probably with my low self-esteem early on like that, which was still a struggle, I might have just said, you know, I can't do this if I wouldn't have had this loving support that the, the leadership gave. Uh, not just to me, but to all of us in there too. They would, they would constantly go around and just, you know, thank people for, you know, what they were doing there on what, what we were doing on Monday nights. And, uh, I mean, it really, it really made a huge difference in all of us just to know that, you know, we are backed, uh, mm-hmm. by this church and they are very grateful for what we're doing because sometimes it's difficult to see, you know, is, is this doing anything? You know, you get your dry seasons in there. You know, like, is anything really happening? Do we need to be doing this? And they were just so uh, appreciative of us, mm-hmm. you know, doing that. And so it, it really made, it, it really allowed me to, to grow and blossom in that, knowing that I can't blow this. They're okay. They, you know, it's like uh, I had this fear that I'm just going to, this is this ministry is going to fall apart now that I've taken uh, over the lead. And, mm-hmm. and um, they just continued to um, encourage me, which is what the, you know, obviously uh, you would expect elders to do to <laughs> encourage yeah. those. And so it, it really made things so much easier for me. Uh, Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. Um, as a leader for this, uh, for this group of mighty people, and I have no problem saying that, um, do you have to make yourself available 24-7 to those that may want to uh, talk and get advice. Do you do you make yourself available all times of the day? Uh, I have boundaries. Okay. Uh, I, and and here's the wonderful thing about um, celebrate recovery. I, and I, I try to let God sort of lead me on where you know where you know sometimes I might pick up a call at one in the morning, and 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 other times it's like the phone might not even be on, right? <laughs> the ringer might not even be on. Mm. Um, and so, but. In Celebrate Recovery, it's not, thank goodness, it's not just like initially with with Moses and him trying to minister to everyone, right? We have many leaders, and in the and in the program itself, we have what's called accountability partners. Those are just your brothers and sisters in Christ that you walk with, right. and the, they carry the 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 burden of, uh, um. You know, talking and being a, a listening ear, it's not just a leader or the ministry leader. It is anybody in there that you're walking with. You can call up, and that's why we always tell them, make sure you get phone numbers, get involved with these people, uh, you know, start doing life, go out and have some coffee, get to know each other. Mm-hmm. So you can trust one another to actually call them. So if someone doesn't pick up the phone, you got four, five, six, seven more numbers to call until you do get someone. So it sort of eases up. Otherwise, we would probably just run ourselves into the ground if we <laughs> if we did if we took every call that would ever come in if there was if it wasn't sort of set that way. And I think it's it's one of the great things the way it's set up is that it, it involves everyone. Anybody can be what we call this accountability partner. You can come in after one week and be someone's accountability partner. Nice. You know, someone that you can call and talk to, and so that starts immediately. It's not like you graduate into it that's something that's that's an immediate thing when you come in and start uh attending and start you know coming and um seeking god in the in those rooms um at what point in your 
uh, sobriety, and this is kind of a twofold question. Um, <laughs> upon your sobriety, uh, what were kind of some of the first things you did to kind of get your back, yourself back on upon stable footing, if you will? Well, um, I can't give enough um, um, not praise, but kudos, or just the the, the way that the uh, the the um, uh, Hebron is sort of set up. They've been doing it for so long. Uh, they um, they told me, um, you know, this, this is what you need to do. You know, you need to you need to have a plan. You need to have a a routine, you know, like like today that I'm, I'm back into society and I'm working. You know, I have I have a family, and so you know I have a routine. But when I came out of there, I didn't have a routine. Uh, my routine was to go find the find the the dealer and, and get what I needed. That was my routine all day long. And so mm-hmm. I had this. They told us what we needed to do, but we still had to sort of fit it into how it would work for us. I, uh, Lacroix, to be honest with you, was petrified. When I came out of rehab, I, I didn't even want to come home, and and that was one of my first prayers that I ever prayed to God, um, with with I mean with with some uh, earnestness and seriousness and longevity. It took about ten days before I got an answer. Was well, what do you want me to do? Do I stay here or do I go home? Mm. And I got the call to go home, and I actually, you know it was a very um, a very clear not the not the audible uh, but the Two sermons and two individuals with the same message, right? And uh, so it was very clear to me. And, and but it, when I say very clear to me, it took it took four four things for me to actually go. Okay, I get it. And so um, and so I went home, but I was I was just petrified because of I knew who I was and I had no no trust in me, and and that's how it needs to be, right? No more trust in me. Uh, but I was um, I took every precaution. Uh, I didn't let myself have money. Uh, I got rid of my phone. That's, that's one of the hardest things to get people to do is get rid of their phone mm-hmm. uh, and everything in it. Um, and I only went to uh, uh, something that related to you know recovery with Christ. I didn't go. I didn't go to um, to AA and NA meetings where there's a lot of uh, those are not always the best meetings to go to. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of uh, relapses all around you. Uh, and so I just, I, I, I really, and I, and I, and I just dove and bathed in the word of God. I, I just absolutely, I, I could not get enough of it. I, it was finally illuminated. I finally understood it. And, uh, and I, so I just got grounded in, in, in the scriptures to give myself, cause I didn't, I, I lived lies my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and told myself they were truths, you know, I'm talking about biblical, you know, just false teachings, all, you know, all around, and uh, did not know anything about scripture, and so I, I spent a lot of time. Didn't even have a didn't have a job for ten months, and my parents said, "You don't need one. You just do whatever you need to do until you feel that you're ready to go out there." And so I spent a lot of time, um, I would say, in personal recovery and just really getting to know Jesus and His Word uh, to get a good foundation before I ever put myself back out. Uh, into society again, so I, I didn't rush that, mm. which I think is important. That depending on your journey, I guess. Um, so I don't have too much left, but um, so after um, 
your initial phases with celebrate uh recovery i know there's mm-hmm. a there comes a point in time where you have to pick up the pieces um how did that go as far as rebuilding um whether it's relationships with friends or loved ones um you got to get back in the uh, workforce i imagine um oh, yeah. Ooh, there's a story for you <laughs> That might be a whole other show. <laughs> well, feel free. Um, it's actually uh, real. I mean, God, God used the workforce. Uh, my journey back into the workforce, uh, very humbling, right? Um, very humbling. Uh, but it was what I needed, right? I had this air of superiority, right? You know? Um, it actually, it actually started in the rehab where they make you fill out a little sheet like, where would you be good at? Because the, they put you to work, right? They made you get jobs. Not, not a long time. And strung out here when it comes in and goes, I, I can work in the office doing accounting. Because that's what I did. So I graduated. <laughs> they had to laugh. They had to all be sitting here in the office laughing when they read that because I ended up scrubbing pots. That's what I, that's where, that was my actual first job. Uh, at rehab, I scrub pots in the kitchen, okay. kitchen. Uh, and ended up being really good in the kitchen. I once, um, you know, uh, had God, um, take hold of me, right? And he, he, uh, he put a new song in my mouth and things changed. I had, I had purpose. And, um, but, um, I came out, uh, I came out of rehab and for, and my, my parents were so supportive. See, <clears throat> The relationships um, did not have to be rebuilt mm-hmm. because what you know I had a, I had a soul Paul I had a conversion that because undeniable right with what I lived and then I come out of there and there's no doubt what God has just done to me right mm-hmm. no doubt and and there's 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 no there was no trust there was one issue with my dad the very first day I came out. I, I immediately got home after a six-hour drive from the mountains, and came home in, in time. I didn't even didn't even know what the church was. It was a Baptist church. They had a 6 p.m. Sunday night service, and I went. I had never been in the building before. I just wanted to go and get in the church building. Right? I was still very fearful, right? Of, yeah. of which I should have been. I mean, um, initially, you know, I mean, it was it was just a it was a long journey of living in that dark world, and so. I go and go to this church, go 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 hear a you know go hear a, um, a sermon, do some worship, come back out, and my dad meets me at the door. Where have you been? And I hand him the brochure to the church and just walk on by. I've never said a word to him. Just handed him the brochure. He never said another word again. And that was probably the last trust. It didn't take, but one day, for him to have his trust back, and my mother never. She immediately saw the transformation. Mm-hmm. And so there was never, uh, any rebuilding like a lot of people have to do. Uh, I don't, God just, you know, I guess they just, it thought that there was no hope for me, right? And so yeah. then they see this and they were just overjoyed, right? And so, um, <clears throat> for about the first year, they said, you do not have to work. You, you, you just do, you do what you need to do. To continue this journey, right? And so that's, you know, I read my Bible every day. I went to meetings. 
uh, initially, you know, some secular meetings uh, for the alcohol and drugs, and I quit going because they they were making fun of Jesus, and I just couldn't take it. And so I just mm-hmm. decided not to go instead of getting in arguments with them mm-hmm. because I wasn't ready yet to to, to go someplace like that and 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 hear the name of Jesus, who I now loved, being made fun of. Right, so I had to quit going to those places, but. <clears throat> I spent a whole year just just learning the scripture, just studying it, right? Going to anything I could go to. Uh, there were Bible studies throughout the week in different areas of the town. I just went to everything I could find. But when I met my wife in 2000, early 2014 uh, at the church and, and celebrate recovery, uh, we immediately knew we were going to be married. I mean, we just knew it from the very first date. <laughs> I knew, I knew it. And it was one of those things. I'm like, I said, this is, this is it, Lord. She's the one. Already seen, already knew. I knew enough about her already. But then, when I just had the one-on-one with her, having uh-huh. having having lunch with her, uh, invited her daughter with us, you know, and who was young, who was in high school at the time, and and um, I, and I just knew, right? And so we started, you know, we moved to, you know, getting married, set a date, and then the date's getting ready to come, right? And I'm still jobless, <laughs> and I'm like, no way am I getting married without a job. Hmm. So I start putting out resumes, and the first one that comes up, and I, and I just, you know, I got to the point where it's like there weren't, there really weren't a lot of them out there because I was looking specifically, right, you know, for something, you know, this big position, get me back to where, you know, the, the first one that opened up was Advanced Auto Parts as a driver to deliver auto parts, uh, part time, mm. at eight at eight dollars an hour, fifty cents over minimum wage. Uh, and I had this, you know, idea that I was going to be, you know, back in a accounting department somewhere and, you know, all of this stuff. And that's the, and I told her, I said, I don't know a thing about cars. I said, so you're probably not going to be able to hire me. She goes, it'll be all right. You know, I, I told her I knew nothing about a vehicle other than where to put the key in and turn it. <laughs> and they're like, which, and that was the truth. And that, but I learned a lot, which was kind of good. You know, I've learned some things about cars. And, um, and so I ended up, working there for about five months and then one of the places I delivered to one of the uh, garages sold used cars and, and had a shop uh, needed someone for their office so needed some office work <laughs> and one of the mechanics just one of the one of the most lost sinful guys you would ever meet right was he was the one that said you need to hire this guy mm. right I didn't, you know, I didn't talk like, you know, I was very nice. And, and he goes, this is who you need to hire. He goes, you need to talk about hiring him. And, you know, that's just, you know, how God used yeah. those that did not follow him to get his purposes done. Uh-huh. I truly believe in and the, the people, um, you know, they, they were Christians. Uh, once again, they claim to be Christians. I've, I've noticed that that's a struggle for me now when people say they're Christians. I'm still dealing. No. No. Figuring out how to deal with that right now because I see things that say, well, certainly doesn't look like it. Um, but I'm getting better at it. And I so you. I worked there for four, four years learning more about cars, but still getting to do office work, right? Mm-hmm. And then I, I come up one day, two weeks before we were getting ready to buy the house we're in right now. And I come in, no notice, and they're like, we've got to let you go. No notice. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I said, and the only thing I said to him, well, and I didn't say, I didn't say anything. I was, I was steaming inside, but I was holding it in. But I did, I said, 
I said, are you aware that I'm closing on my house in two weeks? And they said, yes. Mm. We can't, we can't afford you, right? And so, packed my stuff up, left, um, went directly, called my wife immediately on the road and told her what happened. And she was concerned for me. She wasn't mad at them. You know, she had come to terms that they maybe were not who they said they were. And long before I probably did. And, and anyway, she, she, consoled me, right? And I said, well, I've got to go to the bank. I can't hide this from them. Right? I, I, I've got to go and, and tell them that, you know, maybe they'll give us an extension and see if I can find something. And so I went to them and, you know, because um, in the past I would have hidden something like that, right? You know, mm. The old me would have hidden that. Uh, but I trusted. I remember coming back in the car and going, I said, now, God, I said, I'm not going to worry about this. I said, because I, I, I don't know your word uh, like I, I hope to know it one day. But I said, I do know that if I seek the kingdom and your righteousness, mm-hmm. that my needs will be taken care of. It's a promise. I'm going to stand on that. Uh, I said, because I certainly feel I do seek your, your kingdom and your righteousness first. And, uh, and so it brought me peace holding on to knowing that not one promise has failed yet, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, after four years of you know walking with the Lord, and then I've got this this huge problem it seems on the surface, right? And um, ended up coming back to the church. I, you know, I got I got an extension on. The, they said, "Well, we'll give you an extension. We'll see what see what see what happens." You know, I put out a few resumes. Uh, um, had one of them, another car. Um, it was a dealership, and they're like same kind of job, and they're like, "Well, you know." You can't lie here, but it's okay to tell white lies. They've already given me the job, right? And he said that to me, and I, and, I, and I had my cross on, and I'm sure I've told him a little bit about, you know, I always kind of try to testify um, about, you know, about, you know, where. And so, and he goes, you can't lie here, but you, you, you don't have to tell him everything. And I was just, and it was just, you know, one of those things that I needed to. You know, I had the job. It was better paying than the previous one, and and I had to say no to it. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I was like, well, you know, I just don't know if this is going to work. And I didn't tell him why. And um, and so I, I I ended up I went to church. We ended up just it just happened to have another deacon meeting. You know, I don't think that was by chance. We don't have them, but every six months sometimes, mm-hmm. and so then it just happens to be one, right? And so I tell. I tell everybody, you know, I got laid off and I don't have a job. I said, I would appreciate your prayers for, for you know, I've got resume, you know, resumes out there. But if y'all know of anybody or, you know, I said, I'd, I'd really appreciate just really just prayers, you know, uh, because I, I'm trusting that God's going to take care of this. Mm-hmm. And so one of the, the elder that has spoken to me about the, you know, being a deacon, Don, he had just gone to an anniversary birthday party. Of this gentleman that he knows, and his wife was is the controller of this big vacation rental company down down in one of the beaches, mm-hmm. and um, they were just they were talking and having conversations just about how short staffed they were in accounting. You know, they didn't have they weren't asking they, they never told him they were asking for anything. They just you could just kind of pick up on the conversation that you know somebody had left or you know or we're having to work extra hours. And they never said they were looking for anybody. And so 
um, he calls her back up after he hears this in the meeting. And he comes up to me the, the next day. He goes, I got you an interview with this mm. company. You know, and, and I go into the interview. And and I have to give my resume, right? Well, I've got a 15-year gap for my heroin addiction. Yeah. In my, you know, once again, I'm not going to lie on my resume, right? That's, that's, that's one of those things that God took the drugs away from me. And he took lying away from me. Just, 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 you know, that, that, that Jacob, you know, becoming Israel, you know, mm. this peopleness just disappeared from me. It was just not even a question that I would ever. And, um, and I said, you know, before we get started, I just want to tell you a little about something about myself and, and about my past life. And so I told him about everything. And then the, the, the owner was sitting there just staring at me and looking at me. And he goes, he goes, you know, we were going to ask because you had a 13-year gap. You know, <laughs> it was going to get there, right? <laughs> but the fact that I was just upfront and honest, I think that that showed some, you know, some character traits that, that they obviously would want, want in a person, even though, you know, they had to still be a little leery, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, I walk out of there and I get a second interview, right? And then after the second interview, I got the job. And nice. uh, they uh, they had asked, you know, like, you know, because they had been burned so many times before by people going, oh, yeah, I know what, you know, saying they could do something and expecting this much money. And I actually took the same pay where I was, which was not much, uh, uh, probably about 30000 a year, which was not a lot of money for that department. But I'm like, I'm okay with it. I said, if you can just match what I was making, I can, I can still get the home, right? And so they did. Mm. And 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 then the, the bank, which normally would not have done it because you've got to have some time at a place, mm. they're like, you know what? You know, you were honest with us. We're going to go ahead and do this, you know. Uh, and I've been there three years now. And mm. um, I am um, – they have – uh, just uh, the controller that hired me is stepping down, and they have asked me to step up into that position. There you go. <laughs> uh, advance all their parts, part-time delivery man, to where I actually could see myself one day, you know. But um, but today it's more about you know God, how are you going to use me in this position? Right? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at the paycheck. I'm like, you've got me here for a purpose, so uh-huh. you're going to need to show me what you want me to do. You know, so, but yeah, he's good. He he is definitely repaying the, the years of the locusts have been, right? He is just, oh, yeah. because I'm not seeking that is why he's, I feel he's doing it because I'm not seeking those things out. So I can't remember what your question was. I got way off on a tangent there. I apologize. No, that, that's perfect. Uh, that is good. Oh, he is. He is. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a quote that a man who knows something knows he knows nothing at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good quote. <laughs> um, so you went head first into uh, the word. Uh, you yes. find yourself at Grand Strand. Um, I mean, the recovery is the recovery. What gave you the boldness to say, I'm willing to be a deacon? Well, very similar to accepting the um, uh, the the ministry leader position. Once again, knowing that, that no way in the world would I have ever 
you know, accepted this. And the, you know, the, the, the elders, uh, at that time, they're, they're a little different now, but the elders at that time, the, and, and the, and the minister, um, there were, there were a couple of them, you know, in the, um, celebrate, in celebrate recovery with us, you know, and they support, they were, you know, either volunteers or, or going through the, going through the recovery process as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just the fact that they, that it was, it was, they saw something in me. Uh, I knew once again that I, I would really have no, um, clue how to, how to even begin in a, in a position of that way. Once again, never would have raised my hand to be a deacon. Uh, to be honest with you, look, I didn't even know what a deacon was. <laughs> I'm still, that's just how bad I was. I mean, it's terrible. You know, I, I had to, when they asked me, I had to go into the scriptures and start reading about it. I mean, it was just, you know, I hadn't gotten to, the, it wasn't something that it really, you know, in my studies that I wanted to know about yet. Right. Mm-hmm. So I really just, sure, I read through them. But as soon as they did it, I said, well, let me get back with you. And I had to go and read up and, and just, you know, am I even anywhere near what, what it says? And and so, once again, I, I took that position knowing that um, they see something that I don't. Um, you know what? Now, you saying that some of the other uh, members of the leadership there are also part of um, the recovery program. That's powerful. That, and I think that helps because it prevents something you spoke of, something that you personally said you struggle with as far as, uh, either brow beating or looking down your nose at someone. You guys yeah. kind of put yourself at the, on the same level playing field. Um, naturally we should all be at, at the same level playing, playing field, looking up to Christ. But yeah. I think on a, on a humanity level, that's, really really important because you guys can look one another in the eye and say i know what you're going through today or today's a rough day and and i i still need my fellow brethren um even though i have this quote-unquote leadership role and we're and it's still just a servant role but you know how you know some people can be elevated puffed up by titles but in your guys' situation, I think that is very powerful because, you know, you guys can see one another for one another and can actually really, really help build each other up. That I, That's that's yeah. tremendous. You know, I, I haven't heard too much, you know, stories like that in the congregations. Yeah, um, it's um, and, and it really it really is. And it, it's amazing. Um, the. That, that you know, as I'm speaking to people, and, and I'm sure uh, you know our you know uh, our minister probably isn't even aware of this. He might be, but I mean that the just the fact that his presence in there, and not just like he's in there to support it, he's in there working the program, right, doing what everyone else is doing, right, working on issues that he has, and they see that, and it's just it's it's for me personally too, it's encouraging, you know mm-hmm. that. You know, here's the one that leads us up here every Sunday, and he's in here with confession and small groups, and just like just like the rest of us, you know. And and uh, though his issues are different than other people's, uh, uh, he's been walking with the Lord. But there's still issues, 
issues are issues, right? And um, and uh, it, it it really uh, delivers a lot of hope when someone walks in and goes, "Well, here's our minister," you know, and then it's just almost like they're just kind of taken aback, you know, like they they expect him to sort of like walk out the door before it starts or something, you know, like he's just there to shake hands, but he's not, you know, and and um, and we had some of the other ones that you know that if, that uh, you know. COVID is sort of uh, our numbers have have gone down, but they but it, but it's also they've gone down across the board uh, all over. You know, it's not, it wasn't just us. It's just one of those things. You know that. Uh, and so some of our volunteers that were older, and, and it makes sense for them, uh, have not have not um, come back at least not as of today. We we still we still hope to one day uh, have them all back uh, again. But for right now, the the numbers are smaller, but we still uh, press on uh, because pe- people still show up. Yeah, so regardless of the numbers. And you know what? Another thing that kind of triggered uh, some thought is it speaks to kind of that assembling thing that uh, the Book of Hebrews talks about, where you know, especially with people that have different various addictions. You have one another there to put an arm on your shoulder or or just tell you, hey, it's going to be okay. That's that's the kind of encouragement that I think the book of Hebrews is talking about, where we need one another because it's not good for man to be alone. Um, You know, that's often glossed over in Genesis that, sure, Adam got things done by itself, but even God knew back then with all his omnipotence, yes. that it's not good for man to be alone. Um, and no. you get in these isolated no, situations, does. and it could be troublesome mm-hmm. if you're not careful. Absolutely, um, the uh, our our this is one of one you know he uh, he he harks on this all the time because it's so important, and not just to in in recovery meetings, but in the pulpit as well. That you know the devil's plan is isolation, amen. And God's solution is connection. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, this is this is just just in and of itself, connecting with the body is powerful. Yeah, powerful. Yeah, and I, and I think that's that's probably the missing key. Um, you know, no matter what side of the fence you stand on, as far as um, assembling, not assembling, but I think in its essence. Mm-hmm. What you guys do is what Hebrews is talking about. Um, you can't, there's no way you can get that type of encouragement through what we're doing right now through a video camera. It helps. Yeah. Yeah. But to be able to look into the next man's eyes and whether you're shedding tears or whatever that thing is. Right. You know, you got somebody in that struggle in that fight with you. Um, yeah. Your minister can get up there and speak just 10 minutes, but to know you got, Fellow brothers and sisters, that's the ministry. That's the church. Yeah. Yes, um, absolutely. I agree. It's uh, it is it is a it is a place where and and look and, and assembling on Sunday is absolutely just uh, one of the highlights. You know, I, I just it 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 moves me uh, at times uh, to to go worship God um, in 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 those larger. Um, you know attendance is there but but and not taking anything from that because i love uh uh feeling the presence of god 
and him and having him move in the sanctuary um, on Sundays. But I don't get to get. I get a little bit. I still got my guys that I go up and speak to, but on Sunday. But really, um, there's there's this rawness that we do on Monday nights where I just can just lay it all out there, whatever's going on in my life, uh, and I get that out. I confess that stuff. I get it out, and it loses its hold on me. The devil just is. He just he's just lost. He, he you know you know that that battle's over with. You know it loses its grip on me when I. When I bring that darkness out to the light, whatever it is, instead of trying to act like it's not a big deal or mm-hmm. I can just honestly share it. And most, almost almost every time, I mean, someone's either going through it or they've already been through it, exactly mm-hmm. what I'm dealing with. And so mm-hmm. they, they know, you know, because they've gotten honest as well and, and are able to, you know, to to know that, that this, is a, this is what we do here. We just... And we, we, we come love on one another, but we, we lay it all out and just let let each other know this is what's going on, man. You know, I'm struggling or man, I'm you know, I've, I've had a good week. You know, there's it's not all doom it's not all doom and gloom with confessing sin. There's a lot of victories, you know, and yeah. it's it's encouraging to hear somebody go, I didn't do this this week, you know, and you know, I just I felt God's presence and I just I said no to it, you know, and it was like it's just really encouraging, you know, to see God working. In the lives of his of his children, it's mm-hmm. wonderful. And, and and that's that inner child in us all. Um, you know, when we were in elementary school or or even toddlers, you couldn't wait to run home and tell mom, "Look what I did." Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. So there's there's power in telling the struggle, but yeah, there's huge up, upliftment in saying, "Hey, I I got another day, another week without doing X, Y, and Z." Mm-hmm. Um, and to feel that warmth and love from your brethren and also know there's a, a mighty, a merciful God that's pleased, uh, with us as well. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and even, even what you're saying, come, being able to come back and talk about these things on Monday, it kind of reminds me in the book of Acts where they say, Hey, we went day to day, breaking I bread, know. home to home. Yep. That, you know, it, it's, it's, Congregation is beyond Sundays. Um, Absolutely, and and we and uh, you know we we missed it, and we're missing out on something really good. Not, not doing it every. I mean, maybe you don't have to do it every day, but what I'm telling you, the more you do it, every time I'm with somebody with a group of people, uh, and just and just start, you know, just just being connected and uh, with in, in in the spirit, and just just knowing that. Um, that you're just around uh, the brotherhood. It's just there's just it's just amazing for me. It's just something that I'm still growing into and learning about, and it's just just overwhelms me sometimes. Lacroix, uh, this uh, what we have coming. It just blows my mind. I have no no clue, but I can't imagine this is how awesome it's going to be. Yeah. And we get glimpses of that here, right? When we just uh, um, connect like we're supposed to. Mm-hmm. Amen, brother. Amen. Yeah. Um. So, any relapses in drugs and alcohol? Yeah, I hate to ask that question. But in drugs and alcohol? Yeah. Because I, I got two answers for you. In drugs <laughs> and alcohol? No, not one. Not one time. Good. Good. I've had some dreams that I did, and I woke up petrified. I'm like, how could I have done? I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I'm sitting there's my wife beside me. I'm like, oh, I'm all right. Um, 
But, but relapse into sexual immorality? Oh, oh yeah. I've had that problem. Uh, now I haven't. It has reached a newer level. Um, I don't know how to say this. You know, it's gone from watching the pornography early on in my walk with the Lord <clears throat> to where I still catch myself seeing images and things on Facebook that I shouldn't be looking at. Um, you know, commercials on TV that I just, just I should be turning my head, but I'm going to sit there and watch it. And I feel that that's, that's just not to me I, because of the danger of the, the the sexual immorality was is probably as more prevalent in my life than the drugs and alcohol were, and so it's an issue. You know, I had a problem with just being sexually immoral, mm-hmm. and so I have to watch it, right? And so uh, relapse into that. Yep, sadly, I have not a lot, but yes. Um, but here's your big one: judgmentalism. We pick up blue chips every time we. Um, have a relapse. Uh-huh. I probably pick one of those up every day. Uh-huh. Being judgmental. Yeah. I have I this, this air of superiority and I just, I catch myself doing it all the time. It's like, when are you going to stop? You know, I've mm-hmm. got to get serious about it like I did with the drugs and alcohol, right? Mm-hmm. I still don't see it as that bad yet, right? Record. I've got to see it for what it is, right? Simple. Mm-hmm. Simple. And, um, but no, 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 uh, you know, no, no relapses. Um, if anybody ever asks you um, for a relapse prevention plan, mm-hmm. tell them it's in the Bible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, and it is in Second Peter, chapter one, verses. Mm-hmm. I will say maybe three through eight or ten. Mm-hmm. Where you add those things to your faith, right? All the qualities, he lists these qualities of God. If you add these things to your faith, mm-hmm. you will never stumble, he says. And I preach that on our, re- we have a relapse lesson of how to not, not to relapse. That's, that's the scripture I tell them about. I said, this has worked. I said, this, I've put this into practice. I said, and guess what? Could you, can you imagine a promise of God not failing? I said, it hasn't failed me yet. Mm-hmm. So I continue to do what that thing says. I put, these godly characteristics into my life, right? By removing sinfulness, admitting I've got the problems, and then asking God to change me and put his His characteristics in me that yeah. will move me away from any of that old life that I used to live. Yeah. So it's a good it's a good good scripture for people not wanting to that struggle with like a particular thing like that. It's a good good scripture. Yeah. Wow, you know, I, we never got into that the first time. Um, but that's, that's a, that's a big, the, the things your eyes see that they shouldn't see. Yeah. Even when you're not looking for it, you know, cause you never know where your weaknesses come from and, and you never know till you know. Yeah. And then become yeah. one thing's become, one thing becomes another. Mm-hmm. And that's part, and that's, you know, part of the answer I should have given earlier about what solar recovery is. We, we are doing nothing but really, uh, and we come in week in and week out. We're, we're just taking an examination of ourselves. We, we are constantly looking at ourselves like Paul tells us to do, uh, and just continue to say, okay, you know, and looking for patterns, right? Um, of, 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 you know, why am I failing here? And then start to try to look for patterns. And then once we can see those patterns, well, we can start doing things to avoid them, right? 
okay, so I'm always doing this when this happens, or this happens most of the time before I fall into that temptation, right? And we just start looking for why we're doing what we're doing instead of just trying to stop, right? We're trying to get to the root of it. What's what's creating it? And uh, sometimes that takes a long time for some of it. And so that's why we keep coming back. Um, plus, we love Jesus. <laughs> you know, that's that's our biggest motivator. Uh, um, you know, we we just we love him, and um, and he shows up, right? Amen. He shows up Monday nights for us, and so we love him. So we're there. Speak to uh, the audience um, briefly about the eight recovery principles from the Beatitudes. Well, I mean, that's, you know, that's, it, it's these, um, it's, it's, it's the secular, you know, it's the secular, if you've been in AA or NA, these 12 steps and these eight principles, if, you, you know, if you've ever been in one of those meetings, it, that's what we have, right? And then, and the eight principles, you can, you can come stack them up from one through eight and you can stack up the, uh, Beatitudes right there with them, right? And so, what, what we end up getting is sometimes, you know, the, and they're, the, you know, and our, and Jay has talked about this, our pastor, uh, with the, uh, they're like links in a chain, right? They, mm-hmm. They're, they're not separate, right? And so as someone's walking the recovery journey and, and doing the, you know, going through the 12 steps and the eight principles, which they, they're basically, they, they kind of coincide. They're basically saying the same things, uh, just slightly different. Um, the scriptures are right in line with those, right? And so the good thing about these eight principles in Celebrate Recovery is they're backed up by the scripture. You can sit there and see what it says, mm-hmm. and then here's what Jesus says with the scripture, and it's the same thing, right? Uh, matches right up. And so um, and we get a lot of people that have just done secular recovery, so they don't understand uh, that really these these are these are God's principles. <laughs> these eight principles that someone did year, you know a century or so ago, you can tell that they uh, they they knew the Lord because they just match right up. Um, and that's that's one of the the good things about it that, that it's it's a process that they have to walk through and and take. Uh, it is not a quick fix, and we try to make sure that they understand that and that these principles and steps are. They're not a one time and done. They become your life, just like the scriptures, right? You, mm. you, you live them out. You don't, you know, you don't sit there and study something once and then, okay, I'm done with that. I'm moving on to the next thing. And you, you never look at that again, right? No, you, you incorporate it into your life. And that's what with these steps and the, and there's 25 lessons. We, we just continue to just add on to these. And every year that goes by, uh, we pick up a little bit more of something we didn't grab, just like a scripture, right? That, that, that something's illuminated that wasn't there the year before. Mm. Now you're reading it and you're like, oh, I just never saw that. Uh, that, you know, that'll be beneficial and helpful for me and seeing it in this way and, and just, uh, with the different people that we, we're, we run across, uh, their experiences help grow us and, and help us move in the right direction, uh, mm. towards the Lord. And so, so those, those principles are just things that we initially do to, to gain that, you know, our footing and get that foothold in Christ. But then there are things that are just, they're going to be lived out and, and, and not perfected, but, you know, 
you know, like just like with any sport, right? You continue to practice, right? Yeah, you don't just quit practicing. When you become a pro, you don't stop practicing, right? Not at all. Golfers don't quit hitting a thousand balls a day once they become on the PGA Tour. That's and it's right. the same thing with these principles and steps. We just keep practicing them. You know, they're very simplistic steps. So they're easy to do. And you just keep adding them uh, uh, year after year into your life. And, um, it's, uh, and if you're, if you're, if you're genuine about really wanting to know the Lord, it's one of, it's just, it's just another tool that we have that helps us to follow Jesus a little closer. It's not a, a miracle thing in these steps. They're just, they're just another way that we are able to come closer to God with them. That's good. That's good. Um, hopefully this reaches a broader audience in, uh, South Carolina. Give the folks the, uh, the address to the congregation and, uh, and uh, the times you guys meet again for the uh, celebrate recovery. Well, I am I am drawing a blank <laughs> on the church building address. I am Jay is coming. We are on Pennsylvania Road <laughs> in Surfside Beach. It is on the website uh, Grand Strand Church of Christ. We have a website also. It's called South Strand Celebrate Recovery. South Strand. Celebrate Recovery. It has all the information. It has my information. It's got my telephone number and my email address. So if they need to contact me, if they're going to be in the area, anything like that, just have questions themselves, they can contact me. But if they are in the uh, the uh, Myrtle Beach Surfside area, um, boy, I can't believe I can't remember the name. That's terrible. I got you back. So on Wednesdays, Wednesday 7 p.m., <laughs> we got Bible class at Grand Strand. Uh, yes, 7 p.m. We also have worship service beginning at, what's this, 10.30 a.m.? 9 a.m. is, is the, uh, the early service, um, <laughs> They and 10.30 is the uh, – the second service, so that, that right. nine o'clock is a very smaller service. So. All right, and 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 the, the 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 great folks of Grand Strand they meet at two two one two Glens Bay Road in Surfside, South it, Carolina. Two two one two. I'm gonna let my wife see this, and she's gonna she's gonna just look at me and go, uh, oh oh, so, uh, brother, getting brother. older. I'm not even that old, but getting, I, I want to blame it on getting older. It's just, who knows what it is. <laughs> I need to uh, the address to your church. Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, by the way, how's your wife? I know she injured herself last time I talked to you in the summer. How's she she did, you know, it, it healed, but, you know, with any broken bone, it doesn't mm. ha- always have to heal complete, right? And so she's, she's got a little, you know, she's got a little, Sticking out on the side. It gives her a little, you know, like if somebody hits it and the baby comes mm. up and whacks it, it doesn't feel real good. Mm. But it's, it's, you know, obviously she's moved, moved beyond that and just, uh, so she's better than there. I'll, I'll let her know you asked. Uh, but, um, yeah, uh, I told her to go back to the, she can't stand going to doctor or something. You need to go back and just make sure there's nothing else going on. I'll be okay. <laughs> so. But, um, yeah, thank you for asking. I think I mean, she's definitely doing a lot better than she was when we last spoke. Right, well, that's good. I'm going to let you go. I'm going to wish you a happy new okay. year, sir. Yep. Uh, appreciate you your well. time. Yes. Uh, continue success on everything, man. Thank you.
Thank you so much. You as well. And you can call me anytime you want. Just let I, me know. I'm going to hold you to that, sir. You can do it. <laughs> All right. You have a All good right. evening, little girl. Have a good night. Have a good night. Okay. Appreciate your time. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. Thanks for checking out this episode of Liberation. Subscribe to the show and follow Liberation on Twitter and Instagram at Liberation underscore pod. Liberation is sponsored by Doodlebugs by DaVita. Thoughtful handmade jewelry designs inspired by love, peace, and unity. Shop Doodlebugs at doodlebugsbydavita.square.site. And for the Etsy lovers, it's doodlebugsbydavita.etsy.com. Use the promo code LIBERATION and get 10% off your order. Follow Doodlebugs on Twitter at doodlebugs for you. That's doodlebugs, the number four, the letter U. And Instagram, doodlebugs by DeVita. Super pleased to announce the arrival of Liberation Apparel. Uh, just simply go to my website, liberation.simplecast.com. Uh, you will find the link for Liberation Apparel where you'll find tons of items for men women and children with more to come find something you like at checkout enter the code liberation to receive free shipping on your order again that's free shipping on your order with the promo code liberation